Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 22. Hopefully soon we can actually finish up this testimony uh, in 2 Kings. We don't have many chapters left. If you remember when we closed, a little background, northern and southern tribes. We know that the northern tribes, which is made up of 10, maybe 10 and a half, maybe half the tribe of Benjamin, has already been taken captive completely uh, into Assyria. They've been taken away. And then we had the reforms of Hezekiah, if you remember with me, where he came in and did some great reforms, a great king. But then Hezekiah was going to die, and, and he prayed and asked God. He kind of actually threw his works up before God and said, God, I've been faithful. And he asked God uh, not to let him die. And God gave him 15 more years of his life. And you would think, what an amazing thing. God gave him 15 more years. This is cool. But during that 15 years, in the 12th year of that 15 years, he had a son named Manasseh, who was the worst king ever, who brought back everything, reversed everything that his dad ever did, worshipped the Baals and the Asherahs, much worse. And so we see the, the southern tribes, Judah, which is the tribe that, Judah, that Jesus would come from, we're going to see the southern tribes begin to go, and they're ready to go into captivity. They're getting ready to follow uh, the northern tribes into Assyria. Uh, I mean, this is, this is the danger that we have if we do not allow the Holy Spirit to lead our life. We can get out of balance with what we call love or peace. Uh, being at rest and doing things with other people because right now we have a type going on in the church today where there are people that are apostate there are people that are not worshiping God and they think they're worshiping God and I don't ever want to touch God's bride but they think they're worshiping God they have a form of godliness which denies the power thereof we're told in the New Testament this would happen and then there's the true church and now the true church that's being led by the Spirit of God wants to make peace with the apostate church because they want to be together in love. We want to fit together. We want to be able to say, you know what, let's listen to this music that Hillsong's doing. But no, we can't. We want to be able to listen to elevation music. But you know what? It's got a root that's got bad fruit to it. And, in, and, and typically we would call that the fruit of the poisonous tree. So you have to always look back at the root of something. What kind of a seed was planted for it to grow? And so, again, we've seen in the, in the uh, um, reign of Jehoshaphat that, that the southern, northern and southern tribes tried to come in together and make peace together. They were trying to be together for the sake of peace. And you cannot have peace for the sake of peace. You cannot agree to disagree and say everything's okay because now you don't know what truth is. And it's so important that we understand that truth is a person. And you cannot compromise truth. If you compromise truth, you are compromising your relationship with God. And when, once you compromise truth just a little bit, then where do you go from there? How easy it is it to keep compromising? And so we're going to see tonight even... And with all of that said, Josiah uh, being birthed and becoming king in Judah, 
and he does some of the greatest reforms ever. And yet, in his 30th and ninth year, he dies, and Judah goes into captivity anyway. It's the same thing that happened in the northern tribe. They had one of the best kings they had. And, and, and here they go anyway. See, because once God's timing is already set, it's too late. Once God's timing's already set, you can repent, you can return to God, but once he's already said you're going there, you're going to be given over to that, you're going. It's over with. He's already spoken. And so they were already given over, and it was too late at times to, to, to turn back. But God still will receive a broken heart. God will still receive a humble heart. And so we're going to see now that Manasseh, uh, it's 2118, he died. His son Ammon, uh, verse 19 of uh, chapter 21, became, um, he was 22 years old and he became king. He reigned for two years uh, and he did exactly what his father did. He walked in all the ways of Baal, served the idols, and worshipped them. He forsook the Lord God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. And look what it says. His own servants, verse 23, 21-23, uh, conspired against him and killed the king in his own house. They came to his own house and killed him. Uh, but the people didn't like it, so the people of the land executed all those who conspired against King Ammon. And they made his son Josiah king in his place. And then, of course, he was buried in the tomb. Notice where he was buried at. He was buried in the Garden of Uzzah, the same place Manasseh was. These were terrible kings in the southern uh, 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 tribe, which is the northern is called Israel. And then southern tribe and a half was called Judah. And they were buried in some garden. They weren't buried in the tombs with David and the rest of the kings, which Judah really represented David and all of his offspring because God promised that there would always be someone on his throne. And so when we get to chapter 22, let's look. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah, of Bozkath. Now, a few things here. Let's just look. Josiah, notice he's eight. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Uh, Josiah is going to be a type of Christ. Josiah means founded of Jah, or whom Jehovah heals. Uh, it's, it's really interesting that we see... Um, A king at eight years old and then it says he reigned for 31 years of course that would be what 39 years old and he died the year before judgment mm -hmm. 40 is the number of judgment and we'll see that if in, in in the next couple chapters as we continue to go across but why is he a type of Christ listen Josiah was was prophesied by name that he would be king and that he would bring the reforms well, Jesus was prophesied by name that he would be king and that he would come. And say, Isaiah 7, 14, God, when, when he tells, he actually tells Ahaz to ask for a sign and Ahaz pretends to be uh, spiritual and says, no, I'm not going to ask God for a sign. 
And so God said, I will give a sign then myself. The virgin will bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now, it doesn't say Jesus, but it says God with us, and we're given this prophecy. But look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 13, and let's see, because um, when Joash, northern tribe, 1 Kings is basically the northern tribes, and in 2 Kings we see a lot more uh, totally of the southern tribes. Look at 13, and, and I don't know how much, let's just look at 13. I don't want to reteach 1 Kings. You can, um, 13.1, in the 23rd year of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, king of Judah, Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, became king over Israel in Samaria, one of the, or that was the capital city where the, the, they, they reigned from. And he reigned 17 years. I got the wrong text. Yeah, where are you? Yeah, yeah. Like I apologize. I'm still in 2 Kings. I'm going, this ain't right. 1 Kings 13. I'm reading. Uh, I'm I have mine tabbed like my code book, or I wouldn't be able to flip that fast. So you're good. I apologize. 13.1. Now we're in 1 Kings. I was like, this is not reading right to my brain. And behold, a, and behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. So the Lord told him to go. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Now Jeroboam is king. Remember, Jeroboam uh, is the one when Solomon died, God had promised him he wouldn't do it in his time. But with his son, he was going to split the kingdoms. And so Rehoboam came onto the scene, which is Solomon's son. And then Jeroboam caused everybody to leave. He made the two golden calves that they were worshiping so they wouldn't go back to Jerusalem. And now Jeroboam is here by the altar to burn incense. Now the king is not supposed to be burning incense. So we know that there's some problems with him already. Burning incense is really reference to the prayers of the saints. But the priest was supposed to burn the incense. But here we have uh, Jeroboam standing here to burn incense. In verse 2, then he cried out, this is the man of God that is there to speak, that God sent with a word. Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to this house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priest did I miss the verse again? My brain is not working good. No, you're good. And on you he shall sacrifice the priest of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you on this altar. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. Now notice Jeroboam doesn't want to receive this word. And sometimes people don't want to receive the word of the Lord. They want to reject the word of the Lord. And we have to be very careful because we're getting ready to go back and see in, in 22 that what happens when you begin to reject the word of the Lord pretty soon. You find out that you haven't even been in the word of the Lord. So he says this, and it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered so that he could not put it back, pull it back to himself. 
the altar also was split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Notice it's the word of the Lord. This man of God is not the power of God. This man of God is obeying God. It's always the word of the Lord that we need to know, we need to be in, we need to understand, we need to learn, and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to use in our life. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God. Notice the possession. Jeroboam is supposed to be a king for God, but he's not. And that's because we see the northern tribes are apostate when they pulled away from the southern tribes and they set up these golden calves to worship. Uh, they're apostate already. And so they're, they're, and God continued to send prophets to them and they would kill them. They would not return. They would not repent. They would not come back and obey the word of God. And he asked him to pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. And of course he did. And it was restored. Um, and the man, or uh, uh, Jeroboam, I'm just going to paraphrase. Jeroboam tried to give him food and say, come on and I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. And he said, no, I'm not taking anything from you. God told me not to take anything from you and to go home a different way than I even came. So listen, those are very important things. I won't cover those facts, but but listen, don't try to go home the same way you came. Listen, you ain't getting home the same way you came. We came from the first Adam, and you get home by the second Adam. You don't get to go home the same way you came. You can't you can't come to Jesus and, and believe the Word of God and keep going in the same direction you've always went and think that you've repented. So we need to wake up to that because there's a lot of that going on in the church today and we lay everything on what? Think about it. This is why I'm not, I don't do altar calls because we lay everything on our word at the altar instead of God's word. Instead of what God has said, we lay it upon what we confess at the altar instead of what we do in our heart. And see if our heart has changed, if our heart is surrendered to God, and we truly believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Then, then, then if we truly believe that, we don't have to go around professing anything. We go around sharing Jesus and walking it out. But if we don't, then what we do is we end up just going out and going, Hi, I'm a Christian. Well, why did you have to announce that? I remember when I got out of prison and I got saved, and I, and, and I tell this testimony a lot of times, and, 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 and thanks for putting up with me when I repeat them and repeat them and repeat them, but this is the one I remember, is I actually called the people I worked with and said, hey, hey, I got saved because they knew me as Mr. Crazy. And they go, well, I was a Christian, and two or three of them that was in prison, that was the staff, they go, well, we was a Christian, didn't you know it? And I'm like, Okay, well, I am now, you know, I didn't want to say, no, I didn't know it. You never shared Jesus with me. No, my point is this. You don't have to go out telling people you're a Christian. Hi, I'm a Christian. Now, they were, they were called Christians first as a slur in Antioch because they acted like this Jesus guy. They acted like the Christ. They acted like him, so they were trying to make it a slur. And so, really, if you're a Christian, all you have to do is go out and live it. All you have to do is go out and live it. You don't have to tell people who you are. We don't walk up and go, hi, I'm an electrician. Hi, I'm a mechanic. Not unless they ask you, what do you do for a living? I mean, it's just not normal. You say what your name is. But so many people, they profess to be a Christian. They say they know Christ, 
but does Christ know them? That's the most important question on the planet. Is there a relationship of intimacy where he knows me because he's in me? And there's always going to be evidence, and I don't mean to belabor that point, but notice this, eight years old, number of new beginnings, we're seeing some new stuff go on, there's going to be great reforms. Uh, so Josiah was eight, become king, he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, teaching peace, that's what Jerusalem means. His mother's name was, i got to be careful, I'll say Jedidiah, but see that was Solomon's name. Um, this is Jedidah, or something of that nature. Jedidah, there you go. Jedidah, let's just make it three syllables, it might not be. And it means beloved. Um, and of course, it was King Ammon's wife, right? And they carried, they killed King Ammon, and uh, now his eight-year-old son is on the throne, and she was the daughter of. Why did they give us all of this? Isn't it important to understand genealogy? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Notice we have the entire genealogy. Adaya means Yah has adorned or Jehovah has adorned himself uh, of, and this is where they're from, Bozkath. Never heard of the place. But it means uh, a swell of ground or a rocky height. And then verse 2, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Now think about this just for a moment. It's interesting that this testimony is given of the Holy Spirit. But this testimony is given of the Holy Spirit not because of one day of a life. Not because of one prayer at an altar. But this is the whole life as God looks at it. He doesn't learn anything. He already knows. He doesn't judge us by one bad action. He judges us by our entire life. He sees every bit of our life. He knows the date or the time when we surrendered our life and believed in his son Jesus, who is salvation to us. And so when this testimony is given by the Holy Spirit, what an amazing thing. That you can have this testimony. It's almost like entering in and hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. But the testimony of God is, is that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And how did he live? That's your walk in all the ways of his father, David. Now, if you look at David in the flesh, this guy in one sin broke ten commandments. When he, when he, when he uh, killed Uriah and he slept with Bathsheba. And, I mean, he did it. But, but when, what's the testimony? He repented. He turned. He walked with God. He was quick to repent in his life. And, and so this became the standard. David was the standard. And if you lived according to, walked according to what David did, then that was a good thing. And you get to be buried in the tombs of David. But if not, where do you end up? In this garden of Uzzah. You end up in this other place that you don't want to go. So this is, this is a type, of, uh, again, of heaven or hell, right and wrong. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Do you think he ever sinned? Of course he did. There's none righteous. No, not one. But he looked to God. He looked for God as a provision. And he knew that God was going to bring a Savior. So this is why he has this testimony that he made straight paths uh, uh, for himself. And that's actually what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us. 
Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will direct your path. He will keep you from turning from the right or to the left. But he will lead you just like we're going to see in a minute. Because we know that the word of God is a lamp to my feet. Shows me right where I'm standing right now. But it's a light to my path and it shows me the straight way to go. But if we ignore the word of God. If we forget the word of God, if, if we start burning uh, incense on our own and doing what we want to do our own way, what happens? We walk away from God in apostasy the same way that Jeroboam did. So we have to learn his word and walk in his word. And part of walking in his word is confessing when we're not walking right. It's, it's repenting and changing our mind when, we're, when we come to the cross, when we meet the cross and the word of God, we follow the cross, not ourselves. But so much in America is, is that say a prayer, do whatever you want, and you're okay. This is American Christianity. Say a prayer, I know Jesus, now I get to run off and do whatever I want, chase whatever I want, and, and, and I just ask God to forgive me. It, it, it's this fake it till you make it and 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 just repent after you've done it but you got to get business taken care of but this is not a death to self this is not denying self taking up our cross daily and um, following after him being in the way with him sorry yeah I was telling Michael this morning that part of we had been off for a while, and part of being off for a while means you get too much study, and it makes your brain go in too many ways. Verse 3. So this is the testimony of God, not judging on one point of life. Boy, I'm glad that God didn't judge on me uh, prior to November 17, 1997. Prior to, because that would not have been good. But he knows my whole life, and he knew when I was going to come to him. He knew when I was going to believe that testimony. He knew that I was going to finish well because of him, because of his son. He knew there was going to be a new beginning, which is eight. Let's look. Verse 3. Oh, my goodness. There we go again. Now it came to pass, one of my favorite statements in the Bible. What was you fighting with last year? You guys know it. If you've been with me for long, you know every time I see this. What was we fighting with last year? What was the big obstacle? What was the battle? But it came to pass. If you, if you look at it with God's wisdom, if you ask God for wisdom to deal with it, if you move on and you learn from it, whether it was sin, whether it was something that you did that was good, God used you, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, we want to understand that it's all come to pass. Everything that God said will come to pass, and everything that's in our life should come to pass. We should learn from it. We should grow from it. We should go from it. We don't stay in it. If we would have did the scripture memory verse tonight, uh, Philippians 3.13, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I haven't finished the race. I'm not seeing Jesus face to face yet. But one thing I do is I forget that which is behind, and I, I reach forward to that which is ahead. So in other words, if it was bad, I can ask for forgiveness. God forgives me. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. And I can move on. If it was good, we still got to be careful. Listen, you can't write on yesterday's good. You can't say, well, yesterday I read my Bible. It's a daily bread. 
Yes, I, I, I mean, I understand that there are days that we don't read our Bible, but we need our daily bread. We need a daily walk with God. It needs to be daily, alive, intimate, real, personal. Or we begin to make excuses. Or we begin to make, or we begin to have caveats. Or we begin to say, well, maybe I'll just read a devotional today. You know, I, and I, I'm not even being mean, but you know the bulk of Christians that I know, you know what they do every day? They read a devotional. They read something that some man has, has regurgitated onto a paper. I'm not being mean. There's some good authors out there. But, but it's not the living word of God that's inerrant, that's living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that's what you need. When you're reading a man's devotion, you go, wow, that's a pretty good thought. Okay. It, it didn't discern the thoughts and intents of your heart. It didn't. It wasn't a, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God that goes, whoa, that cut deep. That was just a nice point you made there, author. And, and, we, and, and we like that. But shouldn't we be face-to-face -face with God every day so that our heart doesn't get far from him? It came to pass. Listen, that should be, that should be the testimony of our lives. That we're going onward and upward in God and Christ Jesus. We're trying to lay hold of that why he laid a hold of us. We're trying to find out and we're trying to grow daily. Always on the grow. Always on the grow. We're, 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 we're looking for what God has for me today. A, a fresh daily walk. It says, I came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah. I'm not going to go there. We'll probably cover them in the next studies. But if you was to look at 2 Chronicles 34, it actually says in the 18th year of his reign. And so there's some clarifications. There's nothing wrong with the testimony. You just need a little bit more information. The word of God is perfect. It's inerrant. He didn't, he just left that part out of his reign. So actually we know that he was 26 when this happened, not eight, because it says in the 18th year of his reign. And sometimes you just need a little bit more of the word of God, but, but it isn't that that's a, a fabrication or that that's a, a wrong or, or air and there's air there. It's just you didn't get the rest of the, of the testimony yet. And so you find that out when you read another text. And that's why it's so important to let the Bible be the commentary of the Bible. That the Bible to, to instruct us as the Holy Spirit leads us in the Word of God. There's so many places like that where people will go, well, that's a contradiction or that's an error. No, you just need a little bit more information from God. You need just a little bit more reading, a little bit more instruction, and then you'll see that those two line up perfectly. So he's 26, uh, the 18th year of King Josiah's reign. So we moved really quick there, didn't we? 18 years. And, and all we had was a little bit of white space on the page. But sometimes the Bible moves really fast. That the king sent Shaphan. There's a lot of names here. Shaphan, uh, strangely enough, means a species of rock rabbit. It's a rock badger. I'm like, what? It just just strange to me i'm just telling you i like to know what names mean so that's why i'm telling you also the scribe so he's a scribe he's he's a, like a secretary he's the son of azaliah which is yah has reserved or jehovah has reserved or set apart that's what azaliah means 
the son of Meshulam, which means a friend or ally, to the house of the Lord, saying, and this is what the king sent Shaphan to do, but we told, we're told his entire genealogy there, so we know which Shaphan it is. See, it's important to know the genealogy when you see a name because there's other people sometimes with the same name that didn't live a good life and you don't want to be associated with that that's like in the new testament think about it uh jude is really jesus's half brother and his name was really judas but nobody wanted to be called judas after judas betrayed jesus so they changed his name to jude uh, in fact, I think it might even be the Roman form of Judas or something like that. And there's names in the Bible that people don't want to be called that name and associated with uh, uh, that um, genealogy if it was a bad thing that happened. So he, what's he telling him to do? Go. What would Jesus tell us to do? To go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen, if there's going to be reforms, if there's going to be some changes, if there's going to be some things done, we have to get up, we have to go. We can't just learn the Bible and learn the Word of God and go, wow, I've got me some knowledge now. The only reason we're here is to be witnesses and to go and be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. So when we hear the instruction, it's giving us instruction, it's preparing us for, it's completing us to do, it's perfecting us for when, as we go out in our lives, to tell other people about what God is doing with this living relationship, this intimacy, this testimony of what he's still doing as we grow. And not everybody's going to want to hear it. Not everybody's going to want to talk about it. It saddens me. I've, I've, in the last week, I've had at least two people, one 83, the other in their 80s. Uh, one was a man, one was a woman. I didn't ask the woman how 80 she was because that's not polite. Um, but both of them really did not want to receive the testimony of Jesus. And for some reason, people hate God. And it's just our natural nature, our sin nature, is to hate God who wants to interrupt our fun. We think that sin is fun, and it is for a season, but it's not going to end well. And, and, and I, I belabored one, and I, and, you know, I always tell my boss, you know what, I'm, you might get a call on that one. I belabored that conversation a little bit. But when you have an 83-year-old man that's mad at God, hating God, and he doesn't realize it, and he just says he couldn't, can't understand the suffering in the world. Uh, and why a God would, you know, and what he said was, why, he told me he knew nothing about the Bible. And I'm thinking, 83 years old, you've never heard the Bible. And people used to, they used to teach it in school. And then, and then he, and, and anyway, uh, I better be careful here. Um, then he said he couldn't understand the suffering and how God would allow his disciples to suffer so. And I, and I wanted to say, gotcha. You know, I can't understand why you would lie to me when we're talking about the Bible because how could you use the word disciple and know that they suffered unless you knew something about the Bible? But I didn't. I moved on because the point was is that he believed in something, but he couldn't believe in a God that would allow people to suffer. And so anyway, it just breaks my heart 
because I've several times, many times maybe in my life, God has used me to be the last person to speak to people, and I would see their obituaries within weeks in the newspaper. And that breaks your heart. I'm like, Lord, that's not, I mean, I don't even like that, Lord. But it's actually happened many times. And I'm not trying to point at myself. I'm trying to say that when we're sharing, we don't know what God's doing. And it may be the last time that person even gets a chance to hear the gospel. And God has confirmed their hearts and is going to take them into judgment. Where are we at? Back here in the text. Go, verse 4, 22-4. Go up to Hilkiah. Now, someone said that Hilkiah, and you could look at Jeremiah 1-1, could have been Jeremiah's dad, but I don't know that the timing's right. So I, 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 it's just higher minds than me. I throw it out. You can throw it out. Hilkiah means portion of Jah, or my portion is Jehovah. My portion is God, if we use our terminology of the day, because Jehovah is God. Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work, who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages of the house to the carpenters, to the builders, to the masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. However, there need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. That's an interesting statement that the king would make concerning uh, those that are doing the work, they deal faithfully. Listen, faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. You cannot have faithfulness to God unless the Spirit of God gives it to you. Faithfulness, love, looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The only way to have faithfulness. So now if you go up to the high priest, Jesus being our high priest, forever according to the order of Melchizedek, this is where you're going to go. Listen, this is what King would tell you. Go to Jesus, take an account of your life, the things that are valuable, and make sure you're a good steward with it. You put them in the right place because the temple needs to be repaired. Listen, everybody that comes to Jesus, we are now the temple of God. Do you not know that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You're the temple of God. And we need to repair the temple of God. And it needs to be done according to the instructions. It can only be done by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. It has to be the Spirit of God. We know that we live in an age of apostasy. And that's why we sing, I will not forget you. To remind us, we need to make sure that we are listening to what the Spirit of God would say to the church. That we would hear what the Spirit of God would say to the church. Because so many are listening to what businesses and budgets and buildings would say to the church. And this is what that church is doing. And this is what they're doing. And this is what his new bestseller says. And this is what his 10 tapes on being an effective soul winner says. But what does the Holy Spirit and the Word of God say about doing the work of the ministry? Because even if you do it in a way that looks crazy to the world, and God said to do it like that, you're still being faithful. No matter what anybody else says. 
no matter what they think of you, you need to be faithful to what God says to you. That's why it takes an intimate love relationship. You know, with me and my wife, we have this marriage thing going on, right? We both said, I will, just like Romans 10, 9, and 10 is. Both of us say, I do. That's the word in Romans 10, 9, and 10 is E-I-D-O, I do. That's the, that's the word for uh, uh, to know uh, that Jesus is Lord. Know that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. So it becomes a marriage when you know God. You say, I will, I do. You can think that I am loving her as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water through the word. And she'd be like, no, you ain't. See, because she's the one receiving it. She's the one that knows what needs to be there. And, and again, I put that on the wrong side, but, but you might think that you're living for Jesus the proper way. And he's like, hey, hey, you're not listening to me. You're doing your own little thing. You're playing religion. Yeah, you, you went to church. Yeah, you read your Bible. But did you listen to what the Spirit said to do when you were supposed to draw near? Now, I'm not trying to put it on works. Listen to me. It's not works. It's a relationship of love. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, you don't do the things that I do? If you love me, keep my commandments. And this is what my wife might say to me. Yeah, other people say, well, I see you loving your wife like Christ loved the church. Other people might say, boy, you take good care of your wife. And I say something slip, uh, funny like happy wife, happy life. You know, but we are intimate together. We live together. We know each other better than anybody else on the planet. So she knows, right? This is the same relationship that you know with God. And we want to be led by the Spirit. We want to be faithful according to what God says, not what man says. We are men pleasers. I quoted uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 a while ago. Listen to what uh, the more important verse is because everybody knows 3, 5, and 6. Listen to this one. Uh, right before, um, it's, it's, it's 3, 3, and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. In other words, you're putting mercy and truth as, as, as uh, ornaments on you that you carry with you. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Write them on your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of man and God. No, no, no. It says God and man. See, God has to be first. And the problem in the church today, the problem with all of us is that we live in a flesh. So we look at the flesh and we're trying to please the man instead of please the God man. We're looking to be right with the people watching us instead of knowing in our hearts that we're right because of being faithful to God. So we surrender to God. We want to be right with God. And if men like that, praise the Lord. If they follow you, praise the Lord. But if they don't, then still praise the Lord because you want to be faithful to God first and God alone. And if man doesn't like that, and they probably won't, I'm, I'm just saying you're not going to find many people in apostasy in this age of apostasy where the great falling away has to happen before the son of lawlessness can appear. We have to fall away from the faith. We have to be Titus, or excuse me, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hmm. 
How do you get off on that? I didn't mean to go there. So here we go. We're going to repair the temple. You're the temple now. Okay? Let's take this. Let's forward this. What are you doing in your temple? How are you being a steward in your temple? Have you went to the high priest? If you don't come to Jesus first, because a lot of people go, well, I just go straight to God. I just pray. Well, not if you don't come to Jesus first. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yes, but you can only get there through Jesus. Your prayers are hitting the ceiling if you don't believe in Jesus. If you're not coming the way Jesus says, they're hitting the ceiling. They're not getting there. It's got to be according to Jesus. Can't be according to the number one bestseller that somebody wrote and say, I just claim it. I just name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. I'm just going to go get it. God told me I could speak it into existence. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You just became God. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do, to think that you can orchestrate the universe. Sad stuff. Sad stuff. That's not humility. That's pride. That's led by the devil. We want to humbly come and come as suffering servants as Jesus did. He's my plumb line. Are you concerned about God's house? Notice the king is. Josiah is. He's at a new beginning. He's eight years old. And, and, and after uh, 18 years of, uh, of, of training and teaching, he's doing the same thing that, jo that we've seen in uh, 1 uh, Kings 13, Joash did. Same type of collection, same type of work, taking care of the temple. If you go back and read that chapter, you'll see that's what he did. So he's borrowing from, wait a minute, that wasn't right. It's, it's actually Joash in chapter 12. 12-9, same type of accounting. I think we'll move forward from that. So we're concerned with the temple. Are you concerned with your temple? Your temple okay? We did the memory verse once again. Paul, who wrote three quarters of the New Testament, he said, not that I've already attained. He, he isn't completed. He's not finished. He wants to be with the Lord, but he said, I'm going to stay here until the Lord's finished with me. So none of us have arrived. None of us have our temple in perfect order. Verse 8, again. Now listen, verse 8 again. 8 is the number of new beginnings. 7 is what God has made us positionally faithful because of the Spirit of God. He's making us this positionally. Right? You got it? Six is the work. Anyway, eight. Then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan the scribe, Oh, I know the king is worried about the temple, and he really wants to take care of it. And he was wanting me to make sure the money was done right. And he said it was okay. But guess what I found? The book of the law. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Have you found the book of the law? Listen, the book of the law probably means Torah, could mean the Pentateuch, the first five books, Genesis, mm -hmm. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In, in our uh, uh, dispensation, what we think of when we see the book of the law, we mean the whole word of God, the full counsel of God, what God has done foundationally, what he's doing in salvation right now and sanctification, what he's getting ready to do, eschatology, the, the, the study of end times, what's getting ready to happen next. All of that is the book of the law. And he wants us to know it. He wants us to learn it. 
and, and, and here we are trying to do this work. We're going to take care of it. We're looking at the money. Count the money. Give it to them. Let's work on it. Let's get the stuff done. Make sure the people in the temple get the money and get the work going on. And let's take care of this building. And he says, wait a minute. I found the book of the law. Because, see, you can't work on the temple, fix the temple, take care of the temple without God's instruction book. Here's it is. Basic instructions before leaving earth. God's instructions on how we should live. You cannot take care of your temple and do it your way. You have to take care of your temple and, 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 and take care of your heart by being washed and cleansed God's way. Again, I just quoted the, the scripture earlier. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Remember, Christ is our husband. We're the bride betrothed to Christ, and he loved his wife how? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He died for us so that we could positionally be married back into the family of God. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water, Holy Spirit, through the word, through this instruction book. You must find the instruction book, and you must follow the instruction book, and you must understand that there's an attack on the Word of God, the instruction book. There's an attack on the blueprint for man. There's an attack that started in the garden when Satan said to Eve, did God say he brought up doubt? The doubt hasn't left. It hasn't moved. It's become stronger, and God is allowing it because he's bringing judgment on this world right now. That's the only reason that we now can look across the spectrum of things and see all the words changing. And words are serious. Why? Because it goes back to the living word. And when you change what a word means, now you can change what God said. And that's why it's so important to be careful what version of the Bible you're reading. And some of the new versions, I believe, are tainted. And some of them worse than others. And don't, don't freak out. I'm not saying you have to learn to read Hebrew and Greek or you're going to go to hell. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you need to be careful. You need to remember the old past. You need to know that if the attack is on the word of God. Okay, what did God say marriage was? Man and a woman. Right? So the attack is on what marriage looks like. Now, if you redefine what marriage is, then you've redefined what God said. You, you, you've redefined everything. And we see that now. You can use that word across the spectrum if you change it. So I want to know what God says, not what the world says. And so what they want is to take God out of schools. They want to take the word of God out of schools. They want to take the definitions that God said out of schools. And they want to give you a new word. And see, we're just seeing part of it right now as a culture. You and I watching marriage change, watching sex change. Trans means no. That's what it means, no, in God's economy. It means no. But listen to me. How much has already changed over the years? Before we were born, before we got it handed to us. And the hardest part about this is, is that we might live to be 100 years old, and then we can only pass what we know from 100 years. But God is the Ancient of Days, and he's given us this book. 66 books by 40 authors that contains what he said. We do not have to be running around looking for instruction, waiting for a number one bestseller, waiting for somebody else to say, waiting for somebody to tell me what the word says. We have the teacher, the Holy Spirit living in us. 
if we truly believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And the Holy Spirit's not changing anything because God does not change. He's the unchanging one. And so if we find the book of the law, we say, I'm planting my tent pegs here. This is my house. We're covering Sunday, John 8, 31 and 32. Maybe some other verses? Probably not. I talk too much. John, Jesus said to those who believed, those Jews who believed, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Then what, right? You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It shall make you free. So you're not free just because you said a prayer. You might be positionally saved, but you're not free because you're still held by the words that other people are saying, and you have to have this relationship where your husband leads you in right paths. He leads you in the straight way to go. And he does it as you get into the word of God and you see truth and you stop believing lies. Because that's what we believe is Satan's lies. And we follow his lies and then we end up way over here and we go, how did I get here? Remember the dog we had? What was his name? The real dumb schnauzer? Zach. Zach? That dog would be in bed and fall out of bed and land on his head and look up and we're like, what happened? That's the way we are so many times. We know we're supposed to be in the word, prayer, and fellowship. We're supposed to be keeping one another accountable. We're supposed to be meeting with God daily. And then we go, how do I get over here? And it's the same answer every time. God didn't move. His word didn't change. He is the unchanging one. The same yesterday, today, and forever. It's always us that move away from the plumb line. And we try to continue to make the temple clean. We shut the floors clean without the word of God. And it's an impossibility. It can't happen. Only God prescribes. God has given the instruction. God has laid the plan of salvation. And there's salvation in no other name except that of Jesus. And name means his character, his nature, his will, his authority. And we understand that we put all of our eggs in one basket and we find the book of the law. Um, and Hilkiah 8b gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Anybody ever give you the book of the law? Anybody ever tell you to read your Bible? Listen, I, so many people have been mad at me over word, prayer, and fellowship, word, prayer, and fellowship. I've had people come right up to me and go, why do you always say that? That's your only answer for everything. Because it's the word. And if you get in the word, what's it going to tell you to do? Pray. Because my house is a house of prayer for all nations. It's going to tell you not to forsake the assembly of yourself together as is the manner of some but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching so it's going to tell you to be in fellowship fellowship with God fellowship with his people and come around people that are trying to get right nobody's perfect you're going to you come walking in you go oh my goodness I don't even like them well maybe they don't like you but if you get into the word and learn the way to walk You'll lay down your emotions and you'll begin to love people because they're just like you. And you'll understand, we were talking about it this morning in, in, at work. Um, oh my goodness. Our verse this morning was uh, James 4, 7. Uh, 
they read it off their phone. I don't know where they get it. Uh, probably some. Oh, never mind. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. And that word submit is hupotasso. It's, it's, it's a military term where you align yourself in orderly ranking underneath first God. And if you submit to God, the devil has to flee. It's just an automatic thing. So when you know that about the word of God, that's what Jesus used in Matthew 4, was the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The devil had to flee. He had to leave to a more opportune time. And when you're in the word of God, you're learning the word of God, not twisting it, but learning it, walking in it. You've discovered it. You're reading it. You're drawing near to God. And when you're drawing near to God, you're finishing the rest of it. You're cleansing you hands, you sinners. You're, you're, you're repenting. You're lamenting. You're mourning. And you're letting your laughter be turned to mourning and your, and your gladness be turned. Uh, I forget what it all says, but you guys go read it. James 4, 7 through 10. I used to be able to quote it, but I'm not going to go there. I just want you to understand that the Bible is going to give you those instructions of what you're supposed to be doing. The world's laughing at it, and we're saying, wait a minute, that's not funny. That is not funny because that's couched in a lie. And we need to stop laughing at what the world is laughing at and begin to see the seriousness of the devil's plot to deceive and destroy even a person who says they believe in Jesus. And you should never have to say it. People should say it about you. You shouldn't have to tell people I'm a Christian. They should know it by how you conduct yourself, by how you walk, by how you found the book of the law and you've read it. It's not enough to find it. Listen to me. This is not enough just to find it. There's the book of the law. There's the word of God. Have you read it? Once you read it, I guarantee if you read through the Bible one time, your life will change forever. Forever. But you don't stop just because you read through it. You keep reading it. Verse 9. So Shaphan, the scribe, went to the king. He goes straight to the king with this. But you know what he does? He, he, this is, you can tell he's faithful. Shaphan, watch. Watch what he does. Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, the word, but it doesn't say that, saying, your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the, of the Lord. Then, see, he took care of the king's business first. This is what you was concerned about. And when you talk to people, this is what you should do. They might have a question. They might say something. They might need to talk. But then move to what they really need. See, this is what he did. He told him what he sent him on the mission to do. Then, verse 10, perfect completion. Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. If we wish to sit here every Friday night, every Sunday morning, and just read the Bible out loud. Do you know what it would do to lives? Just read it. You don't have to commentate on it. My words can fall to the ground. We're just looking at what the Word of God says, and it's living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. It knows what flesh is, and it knows what your soul is, and it knows what you need. And it's a discerner of what you're thinking about right now and what your heart's going to do the intents of it it already judges it the word of god judges it that's what discerner that's what discernment means judge it helps you to judge that's what discernment means 
you have to get the discernment, you can judge spirits really quickly. So he read it before the king. Now, I think all he read was the book of Deuteronomy. This is just my opinion. It could have been the first five books of the Bible, but I, I think that he just read the book of Deuteronomy. That's just my opinion, because it's the second giving of the law. He might have read it all, but I don't, I don't think so. But it doesn't matter for the sake of this sermon and what we're doing. We don't have to be there. We want to read it all. You don't want to just read Deuteronomy. You don't just want to read the New Testament. You don't want to forget the Old Testament. You want to read it all. You want to study it all. You want to draw near to God and learn what his testimony is. Because, see, whether we believe it or not, this book is about God. Life is about God. God is life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But what we do today is we take and look at this book and we think it's about us. That's the height of pride. That is pride. That's, that's our own self-esteem. That's not the esteem of God. That's not putting God on a throne. We read the book and go, yeah, that's all about me. Look what I did. Listen, it's not about us. He came to save us. We were lost. We were blind. We didn't even know it. We were dead in our trespasses, and he came to save us. This is what the great and good news is. The gospel is about God coming to save people that don't deserve being saved, to forgive them, to give them grace and mercy, so they can be in a family adopted by the spirit of adoption, by which we cry, Abba, Father. That's what we need to understand. This is all about God and his creation and his kingdom come and his will be done and his instruction book and him sending his word to heal the land. It's not about us, but turn on your TV, go to a church, and all they're doing is telling you how to have your best life now. They're feeding your flesh. They're telling you how to do more and more and more and be noticed and how to clean yourself up. Really? Really? What does the proverb say about putting perfume on a pig? We're dead in our trespasses. We stink. There's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. Why would we clean up flesh? We need to put flesh in the grave. We want the spirit life to understand that we don't regard anything as flesh and blood anymore. Everything is spiritual. It's about a spiritual God who comes to save people and their spirits from going to hell for eternity. We want to live according to the Spirit and understand that there's demons out there trying to take you to hell with them. And that's why they would make up something that says, if you say a prayer, you get to go to heaven. There's nothing in life that you go from the starting line. You've got to run the race. That's what Paul would say. Run the race to win. Run, run not beating the air. But run with intention, laying a hold of that which God laid a hold of you. Why did he call you? What is he doing? Understand the family of God. Understand the battle that's going on. Understand the reason you're supposed to be a witness. Wake up and be sanctified. The Holy Spirit wants to train us and prepare us for battle. We don't have to be tough guys. What we need to be is led by the Spirit of God and know the Word of God because it pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit. It's amazing stuff. But yet, what do we do? We still go out trying to impress people. We 
we try to run around and do what we can do in our flesh until we're wore out. So look what I did. Yeah, you made a whole bunch of mud. And you didn't even start with your own mud. You used God's mud to make that mess. And now you want credit for it. Making mud pies. I'm sorry. Let's keep moving. So he deals with the king's mission. Then he's faithful to still bring him back to the book. And he reads it to him. Now it happened when the king heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, he's got all these great things Josiah wants to do, but he has no instruction. And it hasn't been handed down to him because he's eight years old. Everything that you thought you knew about God was taught to you by the devil and the world in your flesh before the spirit of God come in. Now when the teacher comes in, when the spirit comes in and seals you till the day of redemption, now he can teach you truth. Everything else was tainted. Everything else was 99% truth and 1% lie. To just keep you off course enough never to make it. Now you have the truth living in you. Jesus is the spirit of truth. It happened when he heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Great mourning, great distress, understanding that he needs to humble himself, that his clothes, what he is wearing, represents nothing but death. See, we want to be clothed in Christ. We want to tear our clothes off. When you read the word of the God, it should make you want to humble yourself in his sight and take off your robes and put on his righteous robes. tore his clothes he never heard the law before think about it who was on who was what was going on manasseh his grandpa his dad was so bad that the people just rose up and killed him he got a rule for two years and they just killed him he was as bad as his dad we were sick of this see i think that the reason i say deuteronomy i need some notes here look at Deuteronomy 17. Just look at Deuteronomy. You can read the whole book of Deuteronomy you go, oh my goodness, if you read the book of Deuteronomy and then see how far even we are now as a people. Uh, 17 18. Instructions to a 26 year old king. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book. Am I reading in the right place? From the one before the priest, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord God and be careful to observe all the word of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or the left and that he may prolong his days in the kingdom he and his children in the midst of Israel now think about it his testimony was what he, he, he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left see so he began to do this once, once he found the book of the law he tore his clothes because he sees what he's supposed to be doing and then he reads this and he sees that I'm supposed to write down my own copy 
a tablet of your heart is what the Bible would tell us. You should have, be memorizing it. You should be learning it. You should have your own copy. You should learn what it says and be letting it be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And then it'll keep you from turning from the right and to the left all the days of your life. Where do you think that uh, uh, Hilkiah found it? Look at uh, Deuteronomy 31, 24. Where do you think he found it? Exactly where God told him to put it. Or Moses, through, or God through Moses, 31, 24. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of this law in a book, when they, had, then when they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? Gather to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in the hearing and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you and evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Listen. When you try to do the works yourself without the power of God, it's evil in God's sight. There's nothing good that, that dwells in the flesh. We can't do anything to be pleasing to God with our own made-up instructions, our own business plans, our own ideas. Well, they're doing a soup kitchen. Let's do a soup kitchen. That's not God's idea. He wants a relationship where you do what he's called you to do. We're all different in the body of Christ. There are different parts. Why does every church do exactly the same thing as the other church? Are they so afraid that they'll get off base? Well, why don't they have a relationship with God that's real? And ask him what to do. And then you won't have to be so fearful. But I believe he found the book of the law that was there as a witness against them laying next to the ark. As he was in there, he's like, well, here's the money. But look right here what I found over here. Here's the book of the law that nobody's been reading. Because there's another thing here. Uh, verse, oh, you're still there in 31.9. 31.9. So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord and all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, at the end of every seven years, at the appointed time of the year of release at the Feast of Tabernacles. It just so happens we're in the Feast of Tabernacles on Sunday morning, John chapter 8. And, uh, Feast of Booths, verse 11. When all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in, in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear, because why? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the 
Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. Now think about it. an eight-year-old boy that his dad and his grandpa were pure heathens. They're not reading them all. They're not getting the priest to do what they're supposed to be doing. And here this guy comes and he's going, I want to take care of the Lord. I don't want to be evil like that, but I have no capacity to. But look what God has now brought, the word of God. So you can go to church and feel good. You can go to church and go, oh, let's sing them songs. You can go to church and do whatever you want to do. But if it's not according to the instruction book, it's not serving God. It's not worshiping God. Someone can say to you, well, when you start playing that song, I don't know what you're playing. I said, well, I'm not playing to you. I'm worshiping God. Gather in. Get a hold of it. Set yourself free. I don't care if it follows your music perfection. I don't care if it's perfect. I'm trying to worship God, and it's really difficult to do it and get outside of yourself. Because frankly, when I play the guitar, I'm embarrassed. If it wasn't for worshiping God, I would be completely embarrassed in the flesh. Because I'm not a musician. I'm trying to worship the Lord. I'm not trying to entertain somebody sitting in the seats. And quite frankly, if you're wanting entertainment, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stop wanting entertainment. But if you're looking for entertainment, there's a church down the road that's hired some musicians. And they've got a nice band up there that plays by notes. They follow everything. And they can play Hillsong and Elevation Worship and Bethel music. But they're going to go to hell. And I'm not trying to make excuse for my worship or anything. I'm just trying to say, you think about this for a minute. People get mad because I teach for so long. How long do you think it takes Shaplin to read that book? It will be read all five books. I'm not trying to get some extra time either. We might go for another hour. But what if you read, what if you read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? You're going to be all. Yeah, you just fall out the window. Good thing you guys use new electric and put lights in because it, it, the candles burn up all the oxygen in the room and he fell out. No, I'm teasing. Who knows what happened? He probably became apostate and fell out and would have been taken up dead spiritually and physically. You ever, see, you ever do that? You listen to the word of God and you fall asleep? You're reading the Bible and you fall asleep? It happens. Our flesh. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why you need to have your spirit married to his spirit. And in the spirit, you're being led. And you understand it's a spiritual battle. And you have to beat your body into subjection. You have to make yourself do it. Sometimes you have to stand up and go, all right, now, I can't even focus. i got to wake up. But not, not out of legalism. Out of relationship. The same way you would your spouse. The same way you would your family. The same way you would do to make sure things get done as a man of God or a woman of God. <clears throat> Responsibility. Where are we at? <coughs> My goodness. He tore his clothes, right? Yep. Verse 12. Do you, I mean, do you ever tear your clothes? I mean, the word of God, listen. I, I, I use the joke, people say, uh, uh, you know, I stepped on their toes and said, well, I wasn't aiming at your toes. I was aiming at your heart. I want you to rend your heart. Rend your, we want to rend our clothes, our physical flesh. If, if, if I step on your toes, then that means your pride's involved. We need our heart to be rent. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, priest, or Hilkiah the priest. You know, he's the high priest. It's interesting that he's not being called the high priest. 
Have you noticed that? He was called the high priest in verse 4, but from then on out, he's only called the priest. Just interesting. I noticed it when I was reading. I go, how come they don't keep calling him the high priest? They just call him a priest. Anyway. Ahid come, the son of Shaphan, Akbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, Asiah, a servant of the king, saying, go inquire. Listen, he, 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 he hears the word. He, he, he tears his clothes. He sees they're not doing what they're supposed to do. He understands that God said, when you live this way rebelliously, re rebelliously, I'm going to bring wrath upon you. He sees that there's nothing but death and wrath that is coming by what he's been handed. I, I Listen to me. I think the church gets more apostate and more apostate with each generation because we walk away from the word of God. We walk away from So 2,000 years later, how far are we away from what the word of God was in its purity? So think about it. Listen to me. That's why we need to return to the Word of God. I believe our nation has been judged. It's it's too late for our nation. And I know that there's a lot of other people that have probably got bigger churches and better brains than me that will say something differently. But I'm telling you, I believe our nation is judged. But it's never too late to return to the Word of God and to turn to a relationship with God and repent and change your mind in how you're living. And we see that panned out in the in the nation. And now in a person, you can turn back. It's never too late as long as you have breath, as long as you're convicted. See, you won't want to turn back if you're not convicted. You don't need to turn back if you're not concerned. But we should be working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So he tells them to go inquire of the Lord for me. It's a personal thing the king is doing for the people and for all of Judah. See, now it's not just him. Listen, personal thing he's doing. You inquire of God first, but then you need to be concerned with others. And if you spend too much time only with yourself, you'll never get to others. You'll never be praying about a nation. Uh, what is he What is he worried about? Uh, how I'm going to eat? Where am I going to get my next job? No, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us. He knows they're not living right. He knows in, in his heart that, that he's not, that the kingdom's not, the people are not. Because why? Our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. To do according to all that is written concerning us. So Joshua 1.8, remember commissioning Joshua to go in. Joshua is the Hebrew uh, for Jesus, Com commissioning. Moses, the law led him to the Jordan, but only Jesus could take him into the promised land. And so Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night and observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall be prosperous and then you shall be of good success. It has to be the word first. It has to be God first. And be careful that nobody's messing up your word. That's why I just say, throw the devotionals in the trash. Everybody writes a devotional. God is devoted to you so much that he came and died for you. Why do you need somebody else's book when he wants a personal relationship? Why do you want to go to a priest when he says, come boldly to the throne because of Jesus? You don't have to go to another man. I'm going to get excited here. 
imagine can you imagine this this coming to this this he's 26 years old but he knows what his father had done he knows his father was murdered and he knows his grandpa was more evil than his father and then he's saying because what our fathers have not obeyed and then we're just talking a few short years because his great grandpa okay never mind so Hilkiah the priest now now notice they they're given this to do so the priest uh, it doesn't say high priest Hilkiah the priest they had come Akbor, Shaphan, Isaiah went to Huldah the prophetess there you just threw a switch there didn't you where did they go they went to a prophetess the wife of Shalom so we know there's a prophet Shalom is there what does Shalom mean if that's how it's said, I don't know how it's said. Really hard to pronounce these when you find anybody that can pronounce these. Uh, retribution. His name means retribution, retribution, which means repayment, reward, or compensation. If you look at uh, uh, Webster's, Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, I wouldn't look at a dictionary from today and tell you anything about it because of linguistics, because of words, because of the devil's attack, because he changes everything that the words mean. But in 1828, with Noah Webster, who, by the way, spent 25 years, I think, on that, that dictionary, and everybody said, dude, it ain't no good. And he died before he ever seen that the dictionary became popular. But he was a Christian man. He was raised in a Christian home. And he wanted to make sure that people had the same words. And that's what the Word of God, we can be the same mind, the mind of Christ, if we learn the Word of God together and we and let the Spirit of God wash us and cleanse us together. There's a fellowship in the Spirit. Anyway, so his name means retribution. And, and, and they're talking to his wife. Listen, God has used women. He used Miriam. Miriam was a prophet, which is Moses' uh, sister. Deborah. Uh, we see Lydia in the New Testament. If there's not a man available, God will use a woman. Now, is that is that derogatory? Only because of the ERA? Only because of the Equal Rights Amendments of America? Would we say that that's derogatory, that God would use a woman only if a man's not available? That's not a bad statement. A woman is supposed to be cherished and nourished and protected. The, 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 the husband is, is loving her as Christ loved the church. He's laying his life down for her. He's washing and cleansing her. He's protecting her. It's not supposed to be a bad statement, but you know, you know, you know why else God will use a woman? When people are lost and in apostasy and they don't understand the instruction of the Bible that man is the head, that man was, was created first, and then God took woman out of his side. Listen to me. So the reason I think, because there's other prophets, I mean, uh, uh, there's other prophets available. Zephaniah, Jeremiah, uh, possibly Habakkuk. There's other prophets of Shalom here, which means retribution. All these men are available, but when you're apostate and you don't know the word of God, you're okay to go to a woman for the word of God. Now, does God use women? Yes, of course he can. Anybody that knows the word of God and has a relationship with God can counsel people about God and tell you the word of God, but it does not mean that it was what was supposed to happen. This is a nation that has lost the book of the law. They have no understanding. So where did they go? They went to a prophetess. Where in the world was her husband when they showed up? Was he out golfing? I don't know where he was at. 
I, I digress. But listen to me. The Bible is clear about leadership in the church. A pastor uh, is to be the husband of one wife. Not the wife of one husband. Not the husband of a husband. Not the wife of a wife. And yet our cemeteries, we call them, seminaries today have about 80% women in them and no men. Because we're in the same place that they were here, apostasy. They've walked away from the faith. And they just do anything they want because they don't know the word of God. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, it will be perilous times. And the word perilous means a reduction in strength. Well, why is there a reduction in strength, Paul? Because we've walked away from the Word of God. We need to find the book of the law again. We need to come back to the Word of God and trust that God knows what he's doing. God knows how to protect, how to provide, how to uh, 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 be the propitiation for your sin. He knows how to lead you into heaven. He knows what he's doing. And you know what? He even let them go to this prophetess, and this prophetess gives them a great word. You know, I, 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 think, of, I think of our nation, and everybody is so high on Trump, uh, which they shouldn't be because he's a man. But look what he did. He let a woman pray at his inauguration. And that right there tells you that he has, and it was a woman who teaches false doctrine and believes that she's a little God. I don't even know her name right now, and I'm glad I don't. But she thinks she's divine, that she's a little God, that she's God because she has the same DNA of God in her because she's made in the image of God, which is blasphemy. No, it was that lady from Texas. What's her name? She's, she's, she's lost. But listen, this is what you do if you're a man and you want power and you, you grab people from all different spheres and you pull them together, and then you can gain everybody else. It's just like it's just like going on Facebook, and, and, and you try to play to everybody, and you try to win everybody instead of God. Listen, it's fake. It's fraud. It's failures. It's going to end in death. I'm sorry. So they go to, and there's nothing wrong. This woman gives them a great word, and a woman can. I, some of the best teachers I know are, are women because they draw near to God. But they cannot be head over a man. They cannot be head over God's church. It's not the right instruction. But God will use a woman as head of his church if no man will step up. And this is what happens here because I don't know where the men are at. It's a very, very uh, sad thing to see that because they could have went to Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Maybe he was too young at the time. I don't know. Maybe Hilkiah is his dad. And she's the what? Oh, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva. We're almost done. Tikva means hope. Shalom means retribution. The son of Tikva means hope. The son of Harhas means um, very poor. Keeper of the wardrobe. Huh? Keeper of the wardrobe. It's a covering, clothing, a garment, probably royal garments, and somebody that takes care of them 
to make sure people can dress up. Have you noticed that? I was watching something the other day. Have you noticed all these people that claim to be preachers and claim to know the word of God and claim that, that it's okay to accept LGBT into the church and, uh, and they're claiming all these great things and, and they say that the church is so wrong but now we're going to set the record straight. Have you noticed that they all put on vestments and garments to try to make themselves look like they're a pastor? If, if you're against the church and you have a new way to teach, why would you put on the church's vestments? and garments and their wardrobe to look like them. It's just really weird. The guy was talking about, look what they're doing. They're trying to give authority to make you think that they're somebody spiritual by putting on the garments of a priest, putting on the garments of somebody that looks like a pastor so that you'll believe their lies and think that they're important. Listen, we're all in trouble if we don't let the spirit of God cause us to repent. The Spirit of God can begin to wash and cleanse us. It doesn't matter what the pastor says. What does God say? We should be Bereans that get into the book of the law, that get into the word of God. And we search the scriptures daily to see if what Greg is saying is true. Search the scriptures daily to draw near to God so that you can actually hear truth for sure. Don't put your hope in man. Put your hope in God. So she's the wardrobe, the keeper of the covering, interestingly enough. Uh, she dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter. That's the second part that was being built. And they spoke with her. So they go to her. They talk to her. Uh, then she said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel. Israel means those governed by God. Thus says the Lord God of those governed by God. Tell the man who sent you to me. Isn't that interesting? You know what's even more interesting? Me is in capital letters in my Bible. Why would it be in capital letters? Isn't that weird? It's weird to me. That's all I'm saying. Publisher got something messed up bad and wrong. If there's a prophetess and we're capitalizing it, something bad wrong there. Tell the man who sent you to me Thus says the Lord. So she's speaking for God. That's why it's capitalized. Is that what you guys are saying? I can. I, I'll receive that. Okay. Did your Bible say prophetess, Greg? Yes. Where are you in? What version are you in? NIV. I need to get a different one. I'm, we call it the nearly inspired version. Okay, well, I'm, I'm already, as I've been listening to you, I was already going to find out. I apologize, I didn't know no. you was in an NIV. No, because it, it didn't, yeah, I was going to put a question mark to that and get it. I, I get tell it. people an NIV is about as far as I would go away from the King James. Okay, so get a King James. Well, I have a new King James. I, I study constantly in the King James, too, though. New King James. Doesn't make that one wrong. It, it, you know, somebody goes, you get a chart and it takes the blood out 15 times. There's all kinds of stuff. But it, it's a Bible that will lead you to Jesus. But, but I'm worried about what you said about the things being twisted and not getting the true words. So well, I, we keep making it read like a newspaper. Instead of the Spirit teaching us, we make the words easier to understand. Yeah. And that way we understand it, but we only understand it with our flesh, not with the Spirit teaching us what it's saying. Yes, sir. That's, that's just the point that's being made there. Yeah. Okay, so here she is. Tell the man who sent you to me. So this is God speaking. That's why it's a capital M. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this 
place and on its inhabitants. Calamity in the King James is the word evil. It means uh, affliction and sorrow and trouble. It's going to bring wrath upon um, the inhabitants. All the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, so God knows who read it, God knows who sent it, because they have forsaken me. This is the reason. Forsaken. They have forsaken. It means to relinquish, to leave, to loosen. They've they forsaken God. They've forsaken his word, his instruction, and walked away from him. In the same way the northern tribes did, they followed suit, just taken longer, about 100 years longer is what I believe it was, before they go into captivity. And when they come out of captivity, it's basically Judah, most of the tribe of Benjamin, and very few of the other people, but some of them, because we still have the 12 tribes when you get into the New Testament. So they came back out, but it was basically Judah that came out. This is what you're supposed to tell them. Because they have forsaken me, and what they do, they burned incense to other gods. And of course, that's praying. Burning incense is always the prayers of the saints. So they were looking to other gods. They're praying to false gods, because there is no other gods. There's only one God. That they might provoke me to anger. Can you understand that? By the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. In other words, it's already been done. Listen, this is spoken. That's why I say judgment is already spoken against our nation. And so many people say that I'm wrong, but I'm telling you, it's already spoken. We see even in antiquity, just in, in, in secular history, when a nation falls, it's because of perversity. You know, it's because of what we see now today of the sexual sin that's going on. It's because of the lawlessness. You cannot maintain a society. You implode inward because of your own hearts. Uh, and, of course, it's because God always trying to get our attention. And still, yet, you can be saved. 18. Notice 17 is the work of their hands. And it's interesting that he says, uh, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and it shall not be quenched. You know that hell is burning fire that never goes out. It's never quenched. 18. But as for the king of Judah, Judah means praise, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard, because, verse 19, your heart, notice it's the heart that matters most, it's the heart that he wants, the center of us, the middle of us, your heart was tender and you humbled yourself, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. God uh, resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We know. And humble is not, oh, oh, meek little me, and you can just walk all over me and don't it? I'm okay, I'm me. Moses is called the humblest man in the Bible. Think about it. Because he was angry, he didn't go into the promised land because he struck the rock and messed up one of the uh, pictures of Christ being water from a rock. And he was only struck once. Listen, humble means. When you meet the word of God and the instruction of God, you bow down to God. That's humility. Pride means you keep doing what you want to do. You keep going the direction you want to go. You keep 
doing what makes you feel good and better. But King Josiah, when he realized, he tore his clothes, he humbled himself. His heart was tender, like plowed up ground, so he could receive the word of God. But that he humbled himself where? Notice the presence. Before the Lord. Some people will humble themselves before man. And they'll confess their sin to man, but they won't get right with God. Some people will humble themselves before other people, but they don't do it in the presence of God. And bow down to God. Ask forgiveness of God. Do it God's way. <clears throat> what, when did he do it? When you heard. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the God. Heard what? What I spoke. He has spoken. He sent his word to heal the land against this place and against its inhabitants that they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also heard you. See, listen, you reap what you sow. If you hear God, he'll hear you. Right? You resist God, he'll resist you. You listening to me? It's, it's, it's the law of sowing and reaping. And everywhere you look in life, if you do this to God, he'll give it back to you. If you don't hear God, he won't listen to you. It's, the, it's a natural law. If you live like hell, he'll send you to hell. You reap what you sowed. If you live for him, you turn your heart to him, he'll draw near to you. If you draw near to him, you reap what you sow. Kind produces kind. Humility, God will come down and you'll be able to hear him. your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place. When did he hear it? When he read the word of God that was written on the paper. He didn't hear God go, hey Josiah. No, it's when he read the word of God. That's when he heard it. That's why we have to have the word of God. That's This is his love letter. This is his his. Uh, instruction of what he's doing what he's done what he's going to do and you faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God when you see what he's already had spoken what he's already announced and you respond to it by his power by his grace for his glory for such a time as this says the Lord verse 20 surely therefore I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace He made peace with God because of a tender heart and he humbled himself and he heard the word and faith and he started to walk by faith. Be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back the word to the king. Isn't that great? Because we're going to see, I, don't know, I think it's next chapter where he dies. He dies where? Where does he die? In Megiddo. He dies in Megiddo and that's going to get real, real. When he dies in the valley of Armageddon. Judgment. That's pretty insane. 
after he restored true worship, which is chapter 23. And he kills those prophets, which he said, which was prophesied he would do. Listen, have you found the book of the law? Have you been in the word of God? Does it make you want more? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to, to wash you and cleanse you? Are you being sanctified? Are you going and doing what he's called you to do? Are you following the instruction book? Listen, you can't do it in the flesh. You can't go, now i got some knowledge. I'm going to go follow it. I'm going to run, 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 run. It will let you wear out. You go, you ready yet? He'll let you wear out. You ready yet? Because it's following close behind him, in the way with him. Not in your way, in his way. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, if we haven't discovered your word, if we haven't found your word, then we ask that you would help us to find your word. That we would delight in your word. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not turn from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that your son Jesus is the word that you sent and it became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you, Lord, for coming and pitching your tent among us. Thank you for being our plumb line and our example and being led by the Spirit in all that you did so that we can see that it's not by power, not by might, but by your Spirit, saved the Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Give us a hunger for your word, but even more so, give us a desire to share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. The Lord bless you.